What I would like to talk about today is something that I feel like I've had in my heart for a couple of weeks. Uh, sometimes that works out really well, sometimes it doesn't because my mind and heart are full and it doesn't always come out quite clearly, but we'll give it a shot today and see what happens. Uh, turn with me, if you will, to the book of Galatians, chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 will cover some very familiar two verses. Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And so the title today is Fruit Inspection. (laughs) Time for us to consider the fruits of the Spirit. Now you may recall, and I know some of you like to mark uh, in your scriptures that I've been here not too long ago, maybe a little over a year ago or thereabouts, and we talked about the fruits of the Spirit. So I will be very brief in kind of describing some of those and then get to the uh, point that I would like to make today. But the fruit that we're talking about means that there's some type of beneficial result. It's not necessarily fruit as in like apples, cherries, oranges, things of that nature, but fruit as in something that is produced that is of value. So if we said we had lots of fruits, we would say we have lots of things of value. So we keep that in mind. And we also must not forget that this type of fruit is the fruit of the Spirit. And so the only way to produce this type of value and benefit in our lives is internally, spiritually from the Holy Spirit. These are not things that we earn. These are not rewards that we get. Uh, These are not things that we independently can do. We are talking about that the Spirit of God indwelling inside of us gives us special abilities um, to do these things and to produce this type of result. We also must remember that the fruit that we produce is a direct result of what controls our hearts. The fruit that we produce is a direct result of what controls our hearts. And we could go back into Proverbs and Psalms and all through the Scriptures and realize that the things that we put into our minds right, impact our hearts. And what comes out of our minds and our mouth is the result of our heart. So what goes in is important because it reflects what comes out. And so if we want good things to come out, then we must put good things into our lives. And if we put bad things in, then bad things will result and come out. In fact, it makes it very clear that the fruit or the result of a sinful life, one that is not surrendered to Christ, is not good. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 tells us this. I'm going to read this in a slightly different translation. So just before the fruits of the Spirit, the positive things, in Galatians 5, 19, it says, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, Uh, factitiousness, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. 
And so we have these two uh, sections in the same passage, and we have these two comparisons, and we can see fully well what is inside of us, absent the changed heart by the Holy Spirit, and what should be developed in us when we abide and are changed by the Holy Spirit, the good things that should be inside of us and come out. We also want to remember that uh, fruit or this uh, product has to be cultivated and produced. And that only Christ is the one who can do that, as I mentioned before. John 15 and 5 says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so again, let us not think that we can't try to be nicer and more patient and things of this nature. But what I'm talking about today, what the scripture is clearly saying, is that if we want to have these fruits in our lives, and we ought to, we ought to strive after these things. It is the Holy Spirit that works in our lives that produces these things. And apart from God, apart from the Holy Spirit, we can't really do anything of this nature. And the closer that we are then to God, the more that our fruit, the more that our um, things are produced in our lives. And again, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. And so if we think about fruit and we take this um, example even further, we think about a farmer who produces something and their goal in life is to produce what? More. More of whatever it is you produce. Maybe you have a small garden at your house and your goal is to not just get one or two small tomato plants with a couple of little tomatoes. You want more of them. And if you're blessed with lots of tomatoes, which many of us are, well, not me, I don't unfortunately do those things, but many of you are blessed with things. What do you start to do with it? You give it away. Your excess, your bounty. You bless other people by lots of productions. My father-in-law has some acreage and leases it out for farming. And a few years ago, he hired some folks to come through and clean up the hedgerows. Because what had happened over time is, you know, the grass and the brambles and everything started getting closer in. And the trees on the uh, tree line and the hedgerow started growing over, and so there was too much shade. And so by having someone come in and clean all that out, he was able to produce more plant a few extra rows of corn, a few extra um, feet of wheat out to the side. And so again, this is the goal. When we want to produce something, we want more of it. We want to be able to have a greater yield, if you will, as much as possible. Now to do that, we have to both remove things that are barriers and add things that are helpful. We have to remove the hindrance. This is my father-in-law came through and removed all the things that weren't supposed to be there. And that's not always pleasant in our lives, is it? But when we remove things, we're also supposed to add things as well. And so we would go and we see farmers who add fertilizer, water, and try and take care to, again, increase their yield. So I want you to consider all of that so that you understand the goal of what we're saying here, that the fruit of the Spirit, we only get this from God, from the Holy Spirit that lives inside of those who have put their faith in Him. And our goal as believers should be to increase this fruit, increase these results in our lives. And the only way we do that is by following after the Lord. 
And so what I want you to do as I spend just a few minutes uh, reminding us what each of these means is I want you to stop and consider where the Holy Spirit needs to cultivate a greater increase in your life. Where do you need to grow? Where is your fruit lacking, so to speak? So let's go through these. Again, I'll go rather quickly because we've covered these fairly recently. Love. This one might be fairly easy for us to define. Love, this is the agape love, which means it is unconditional. It carries with it the idea that we would have goodwill, benevolence. We would delight in something. And as I pointed out about a year ago, this is not a feeling, but a choice. We get that mixed up in our culture all the time. We have somehow connected this idea of love with a feeling. We don't always feel like loving somebody but we always should. And we get these things confused. Love is not a feeling. Our feelings can result from love, absolutely. But if we base our entire definition of love on a feeling, we're going to miss the mark. We have to choose to be kind to others. We have to choose to sacrifice for them. We have to choose to consider other people's needs. And we must remember in all of this that the greatest gift of love that can be given is one life for another. And so we must remember and ought to remember that if we want love in our lives, we should study the life of Jesus Christ, not only because he modeled perfect love for us, but because he gave his life for us and therefore is perfect love. And we are asked to love, to love God unconditionally, to love others, to love our family members, and even our enemies. We are called to love. And that is a fruit that the Holy Spirit can produce inside of us. Now, joy comes next. So we have love and then we have joy. Again, joy is kind of the um, natural reaction, if you will, to what God has done for us. When God saves our lives, when the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, we are going to naturally have some joy. But again, how we live that out is also, like love, a choice. We must choose to have joy in our lives. We must always and constantly value the fact that God sent His Spirit and is living inside of those of us who love Him and are called according to His purpose, that He has promised to work within our lives, and He has promised to never leave us. And so even in the very difficult times, we can have joy knowing that no matter how hard the outside circumstances are, that God still loves us unconditionally inside. And we should have joy in that. Patience. I've been told never to preach on patience. Well, I skip peace. I'll come back. Sorry, but I'll stick with patience for a minute. Patience or long suffering. Long suffering. This carries with it the idea that there should be endurance without complaining and specifically without revenge doesn't come easy sometimes. But the reality is patience comes from a position of power. And we say that because patience is about self-constraint. Right? And now we'll get to self-control later. It's a little bit different. But it's about this idea we're not just going to go take revenge on somebody because we can or because we have the opportunity. 
And we're not just going to run away from everything, but we should with patience or long suffering. Sometimes we have to endure. Now, I skipped over peace. Let me return to that. Peace again. Peace with who? Well, peace with God primarily. Because if you've been saved and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, then you have a peace with God. In times past, the scripture says we were enemies with God. We fought against God. We did not know God. And God did not know us in the way he desired. But after we've been saved, we have uh, had that peace with God. And that peace with God will translate into our lives and impact the very way that we live. And it will impact the very way that we have relationships with other people. Now, God knows in his infinite wisdom that peace isn't always possible with others. And so he gives us the proviso. As much as it lies within you, live peaceably with all men. And so the Holy Spirit should be driving us. That's a fruit that we should have is to try to maintain the spirit of peace with everyone that we come in contact with. And certainly remember the peace that we have with our Lord and Savior. Kindness or gentleness, depending on your translation. Again, this carries with it this idea that we're going to have a, a concern for other people that will be useful to other people. I'm going to pause here just for a second. We need to be useful to other people. Sometimes we need to let other people be useful for us. Many of us in this church have a real struggle with that. We don't like other people to be useful for us, but it's a blessing and it's a fruit. And I really wasn't talking about anyone specifically. I know some of you looked away. Um, we need to be useful for other people. We need to be kind. We need to take every action, everything that we do, and fill it with kindness. Doesn't mean we're pushovers. Doesn't mean we don't stand for the truth. But it means that we're kind in everything that we do. And this is something that, again, should be developed and cultivated in us. Goodness, uprightness in the heart. We should be good. That is, we should have virtue and we should be holy. Our character should be that of someone who is filled with the Spirit of God. And we should be known by our deeds that are motivated, again, by righteousness and a desire to help others and be pleasing to the Lord. Goodness. It's one of the markers, I think, that should separate us from many others, again, even if we're needing to be good to those who don't like us. Faithfulness is certainly in there. Consistency, having allegiance, um, keeping um, the track, keeping the faith, if you will, believing that God is who He says He is, and He will do what he says that he will do. We must be faithful, and the Spirit produces that inside of us. Gentleness, or some translations have it meekness. This is a thankfulness to God, making sure that we are restrained in our behavior toward others. Again, not necessarily a pushover, but we make sure that we are gentle toward others. And self-control, another one that probably is on the list of not to preach on topics. Self-control. The ability for us to control ourselves, to say no to something and yes to other things. We want to make sure that we have self-control. 
So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These nine things the scripture says there is no law against them. We can do them at all times, in all ways, in all places, and we can do them through the power that God has given us through his Holy Spirit that is dwelling inside of us. And it should be a reflection of who we are and how we live. So here's the real question I have for today. Which of these is growing well in your life? Which of these characteristics are you producing abundantly? And which of them are you not? Maybe that's the real question where I'm at today. Where do you need cultivation to continue with our farming example? Where do you need to maybe cut back a few other things and add a few things in to help that area grow? Our attitudes, our actions, our words, everything we do changes when we have these things right. And again, as I talked about before, if we want to have these areas grow, then we need to take in things into our minds and into our eyes and into our ears that grow these things and build these things so that what comes out of our heart is these fruits. But there's really a challenge sometimes in life. And I'm well aware of it. It's really easy sometimes to think about these things Maybe like today, when things are going really well for some of us, or just okay. We don't have any great trials going on, and so we sit here and go, well, you know, I do okay with these, and maybe I can be a little more patient, but I'm pretty good. Are we? I want us to really consider this. Are you abundantly producing fruit in all these areas. I don't know that I've ever done this before, but I have a visual today. I have a mason jar. It's full of water. You may not be able to tell that. And there's sand at the bottom. And as you look at this, and everything's calm, and everything's fine, you can kind of see through it, no problem. It looks good. And if we consider our lives like this, people from the outside would look at us and say, well, got everything together, don't they? Everything's going fine. I don't see any major sins that we read about before. There's no idolatry. There's no sedition. There's no murderers here, etc., etc., And it looks pretty good. What do you think is going to happen if I shake it? If I just shake it a little bit, ooh, now we see it's starting to get cloudy. You ever woken up one morning and been shaken? You ever been minding your own business one afternoon and been shaken really hard? What you do in the moment that you're really shaken is a reflection of who you actually are in the inside. Let me give you a confession. Y'all ready? When I get really tired, it's very abundantly apparent. Get ready for my family to agree with me. 
that when I'm tired, I lack patience and gentleness. Patience or long-suffering, long temper. My temper fuse gets short when I'm tired. And my gentleness, I don't mean physically, I mean verbally, (laughs) gets pretty sharp. Some of you in the church have experienced this on a time or two, and I give you a sharp answer. And here's what I realized a few weeks ago, uh, listening to somebody else talk about something completely unrelated. If during one of those times of lack of sleep and lots of things going on, I am short on my patience and I give you a harsh remark, and I come to you and say, as I should, brother or sister, I apologize. I apologize. I was short with you, and I said something that I shouldn't have, and I regret it. I just didn't have enough sleep. I think that's incorrect. I didn't have enough patience, and I didn't have enough gentleness. And the sleep was only the external shaking that revealed my unsettled life. We are very, very, very quick to blame the external on a lack of the internal. Does that make sense? We want to go around and say, well, you don't understand the day that I had. That's why I did what I did. You don't understand how I was betrayed. You don't understand how I was lied to, how I was cheated. You don't understand what I'm going through. Brothers and sisters, what I'm telling you today is while that may be true, all of those things are external to you. And what is vitally important is that you have cultivated and grown an abundant crop of fruit that is there even when your life is shaken. Because it will reveal a significant portion of who you are. So it's not right for me to apologize and give an excuse because I was tired. Instead, what I should do as a believer is recognize that I need to have more patience in all circumstances, regardless of what's going on. And I need to have more gentleness, even in the difficult times. And so if we only blame the external, we miss the internal and we fail to have spiritual growth. And so I want you to think carefully for just a minute under what external circumstances do these fruits, are they reduced? When do you fail to produce the fruit? When do you blame other things when you shouldn't? So here's another example of what I'm trying to say. We can and certainly should pray when we're tired, when we're weak. When we are dealing with some type of health emergency or someone in our family is. We certainly should ask for prayer when we feel like we're under a tremendous amount of pressure at work. Well, I wrote on a list, so I'll read them. We should ask for prayer when we're tired, when we're overwhelmed, when we're disappointed, when we're bored, when we're lonely, when we're betrayed, when we're disappointed. When we're underappreciated, when we're cut off in traffic, when we're yelled at, when we're lied to, when we're tricked, 
when we're frustrated, when we're injured, when we're scared, when we have a death in the family. Any time life knocks you around, we should and ought to go to our Lord in prayer. But the reality is, before those times come, we should be producing the fruit that the Holy Spirit wants to produce inside of us. So that when those moments come, I don't lose my patience. And I don't lose my gentleness. And instead, love and patience and gentleness comes out in all circumstances. You see, this is almost easier that we spend time now cultivating these things in our lives so that later when the trials come, and they will come, and we are shaken from the outside, that we look less like this and we stay more like this. So I want you to hear what I'm saying. I am not saying nor suggesting that we should never go to the Lord in prayer when we have hard times. The point that I'm trying to make is we should prepare for those hard times by making sure we are growing and producing fruit and having a storehouse of that ready. Now we'll all experience times that we instantaneously lose our cool. We violate these. That's not really quite what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a consistent behavior. Let me give you another example. It was mentioned this morning. We as a church fare pretty well, but you know, a lot of churches have really been hurt from COVID. A lot of churches. And I said then what I think is still true, and I repeated it after I heard someone else say it, that COVID was really kind of the great sifting, if you will. And it revealed a lot of things about a lot of people internally. And we suddenly realize that those who have fallen away from the external shaking of COVID, who have not returned to church and see no reason to and are perfectly happy with their lives, there was a lack of fruit growing there to begin with that led to that falling away. Now that might sound really harsh, but I think it's true. Does that make sense? There's other things in life that are like this true. I like this as well. And test our resolve and test what we are really made of. There are always going to be trials. And the goal should be to have our fruit ready and willing and able to spread and to share. So we can and should pray for each other. We can and should specifically pray over and for each other during these hard times. But brothers and sisters, please, please, please let us be prepared beforehand. And I have seen this firsthand by many of you. I've seen you get bad news. I've been there. When we've laid our family members in the ground. I've answered the phone when you called. I've been there when, for some of you, I've pulled things out of you. And I'm generally pleased with what I see. There's a great resolve, but that's because many of you have spent an entire lifetime developing these fruits. You've allowed the Holy Spirit to do it inside your life, and so that when the hard times come, when you get shaken, 
you still look more like this, which is what we want. So how much better could our lives be if through prayer and practice we developed a large storehouse of these fruits, if we allowed the Holy Spirit to do its work in our lives, if we removed the things that the Holy Spirit says, this is not helping you grow, and instead allowed the Holy Spirit to put things into our lives that allow us to grow, that we read the Scripture, that we listen to uplifting music, that we have good, wholesome conversations with other believers, that we put all the things into our lives that we should to allow us to produce these things so that when the time comes, we respond and are ready and are strong and we have fruit for the difficult times ahead. I wrote this down recently as a summary. I'll read it to you. We can constantly pray for relief from the external trials and struggles. But if we are in this world, those are going to continue. What we really need is to pray for the Holy Spirit to control what is on our inside and to foster and grow the fruits that only the Holy Spirit can grow. When we get that right, no matter how much we are knocked around, shaken, or abused externally. We can face the storm with calm assurance. And so I want us to remember what I said at the beginning. Fruit is the beneficial result. It's the outcome of something else. That something else in our lives, if we know the Lord and are saved by Him, should be a direct result of whatever controls our heart, and that should be Jesus Christ who gave us a new heart, as the Scripture says. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so there's two types of people, as there are at the conclusion of every sermon that I give. There are people who are apart from Christ and therefore not bearing fruit, period. You may be gentle, you may be nice, you may love, but it's not a fruit that the Spirit is dwelling inside you. Then there are those of us who know the Lord, who have been given a new heart, who have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, and the Holy Spirit wants to do His work to remove the things from our lives that are getting in the way, to cultivate, to fertilize, to grow, and allow us to produce fruits so that when our lives are shaken, we can stand firm in the truth. So that no matter what comes our way, whether it's a major tragedy or a little hiccup in life, we can still have love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and gentleness and self-control. And so now that I've hopefully explained and given you a visual aid, like I said, I don't think I've ever done this before, of what happens to our lives, it gets cloudy and dirty and then it gets hard to see. I want you to really think about which of these do you need to go to the Holy Spirit and ask Him to help you grow more? Maybe you need more love. 
Maybe you need help with joy. Maybe you need patience. Maybe you need some kindness. Maybe you need faithfulness or gentleness. Maybe you need self-control. And the reason I wanted to make this personal and the reason I wanted to bring in a visual aid is because I want you to really consider this. Maybe you have issues with self-control. Maybe when you get bad news, you have a hard time controlling yourself. Maybe when something bad happens, you run too quickly to a bottle, whether liquid or from the medicine cabinet. Maybe you run too quickly to the fridge. Maybe you run too quickly to some other thing that isn't helpful for you. I want you to really ask yourself, next time you're having a bad day, next time that I'm tired, is it really that I'm tired? Or is it that I need greater gentleness? I think the answer is I need greater gentleness. And so if I can work on that now, next time I'm tired... It won't be as much of a challenge. If I need greater self-control, I can work on that now and ask the Spirit to give me those things. And the next time I have a bad day, it won't be so hard. If the Spirit can, if I can recognize that I need greater patience and kindness toward other people during difficult times, and I can cultivate that and grow that and produce that in my life now, when I'm called upon to be patient and kind, these things will then naturally occur. And I'll gradually begin to look more like this jar of water and the dirty mess with the other. Because no matter how hard I shake this, it's fine. I guess I'll say this in summary. I think many, many times, and you may disagree with me, Many times we can walk into a church service and hear a message and go, well, that doesn't apply to me. And maybe at the beginning, when I asked you to consider how you're doing with these fruits, you're like, ah, man, I'm okay. Maybe a little patience, maybe love with this one individual. But, you know, overall, I'm doing okay. But I wanted to give you an opportunity to think about, again, what happens when you're angry? What happens when you're sad? What comes out when you're frustrated? What comes out when someone betrays you? What comes out, in my case, when I'm tired? Because when we analyze what does or doesn't happen then, then we realize, oh, I don't need just help when I'm just tired. I need help all the time to be gentle. This is something that I would need to pursue. The other part of this is that you can never have too much of this. That's the beauty of it. You're never going to have enough love. You can't have enough joy. There's no law against these things. There's no limit. There's not too much patience. There's not too much gentleness. There's not too much of any of these things. And so we, as believers in Jesus Christ, should strive to let the Holy Spirit have His work in our lives. Sometimes that will hurt. But we need to do it now so that when the hard times come, we're ready. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections of the lust. If we live in the Spirit, 
Well, let us also walk in the Spirit. The goal is to not go home and decide mentally, I'm going to have greater joy. The goal is to pray to the Lord, I need greater joy. And you are the giver of all good things. Please help me with joy or patience or faithfulness. There's nine there for you. And if you think you've accomplished one, move on to the next. Some of these are easier than others for us. But brothers and sisters, there is a work to do. Let us not run over these two verses so quickly. Let us not just assume that we're doing these things. Let us truly dig deep and ask the Spirit to reveal to us what fruits do I need to bear in my life for other people? How can I learn to serve you more? How can I please you more? Well, this is how it works. Because someday, and it seems to be happening with greater frequency among some of us, you're going to get that call. You're going to have that experience. And maybe even if it's not the big shake, as you saw, even just a little one in your life. Someone lying to you. Someone yelling at you. Someone betraying you. And then we have to respond. Will you respond with the fruit that God has placed in your life? Or will you have to respond in a way that doesn't bring Him honor and glory? So let's have an opportunity for us to think about this. A hymn, if we will. Tell you what, do you just care to give us an instrumental? Would that be okay? I'll let you pick whatever it is. And I want us to kind of sit with this for a minute because I was, I'll always repeat the point one more time because this is what really drove it home for me. I want you to think about what you need in your life. And I want you to legitimately pray to God that he would help you get that. Not just in response to, well, I've had a bad day, I need this. Or I'm upset about that, I need joy. But before those events come, before we leave today and are confronted with whatever else we have the rest of today and whatever else we have the rest of the week, let us seek the Lord that he would fulfill us and fill us with these fruits. And boy, not only will we be better off, so will the world. And when we go into the world, they'll look at us and go, how can you be so loving? How can you be so gentle in the face of such horrible fill-in-the-blank? How could you forgive someone? How could you be so faithful? How could you have such joy? These are the marks of the Spirit living inside of us. These are the marks that we must pursue and allow the Spirit to bring out of us. And so let's spend a few minutes and reflect on where we're at, what we need, and pray that the Lord would help us with that. Sister Judy, if you would, please.